Heart Dad, you're listening to Frolic Inc. Chronicles, a Frolic Inc. broadcast. I love it. It's such a comforting sound. And it's actually a gong that Pax and I grabbed from Yaya 20-something years ago on one of our trips to Colorado. And I just thought it would be so cool. I actually saw it last minute on the wall, and I wanted to change some energy in my own house, which that helps with. But thought that would be great for tonight because we are talking about the Winchester Mystery House. And... The fascinating Sarah Winchester. Yes, and that gong was too perfect considering she had that bell tower. However, I never realized, um, I mean, originally, of course, we've talked about Sarah for many, many years because you've traveled there yourself a few times, which I'm very envious of because I've actually never been to the house So I just assumed, oh, Sarah must be from um, Southern California. You know, when we were younger, early 20s, I never really thought about it. And then, of course, there's been this resurgence, if you will. uh, And it seems like everybody's going to the Winchester house. So the fact that she was originally from New Haven and was the... Yeah, the belle of New Haven, a beautiful young lady standing four foot ten... I asked myself, well, how did, what brought her here? And it turned out that after her beautiful baby girl of six weeks old, little Annie passed away, and then she ended up losing her husband, William, she just was in a complete state of grief, a mourning, and apparently went to a psychic who said the only way you're going to be able to get through this is if you move out west and so she did and I also never realized how small the house was before she started building it it was really just a small cottage house on this you know enormous plot of land in San Jose California that she then um continued to build on I want to know T because I was actually trying to remember the first time that you went to San Jose, I feel like it had something to do with Trent skateboarding. It sure did. So Trent, my son, who's now 20 years old, uh, back in the day, he used to be a competitive amateur skateboarder. And one of the big contests, uh, rest in peace, Tim Brosh, happened at the San Jose Skate Park. So a couple of summers in a row, I would offer to take him and his buddy Griffin and do a road trip. Of course, Sophia would come along and we would, you know, head up to San Jose. And I think uh, one of the first times I went was actually Sophia in Trent. And we went and we toured the mansion and it was amazing. And I mean, I, you know, doubled down and paid for, you know, the ins and outs of whatever we could go into. And then the second time I went was with Trent. I didn't take Trent and Griffin because I just, they were old enough now to just be at the skate park. And so I went on my own to the Winchester 
mystery house, but we were only allowed outside because there was a movie or somebody had the film rights to inside the house. So we weren't allowed to go inside because of, you know, it would break this contract. Now, we all know there was a movie that released in 2018 around there. And actually, I thought it was films at the house, but I guess they actually only shot three days there. They did the rest of the filming in Australia because the directors that actually, to me, ruined the whole Sarah Winchester story uh, are from Australia. But yes, so she left Connecticut and went west and built this house, allegedly, because she was heir to the Winchester millions of dollars, 20 million of dollars, right? Like yeah, and also had of back in that day stocks in the company. But what I actually learned about recently was that she was established herself. Her dad yes. built was a carpenter and actually built the ambulances or sold the ambulances during the Civil War to the Union Army. So yeah, he built his way up into society. So that's why she was able to marry William, right? Because back then you married on status. For sure. And, um, yeah, and so she ended up inherit because her mother-in-law had passed away, then William had passed away, and of course poor baby Annie died of some malnutrition disease. She couldn't process proteins. And so this woman had all this money, something equivalent to $1,000 a day to spend disposable income. It's like Kardashian money or something, you know, and uh, yeah. And so she did. You really she just bring up Kardashian house. in the same sentence as Winchester? You know I, so, I kind of want to so smack funny. you right now. <laughs> and then you brought it up again. I was gonna just go right past it, but you know what? But I'm saying like, there's people that just have this insane amount of, to me, disposable income, right? So then she moves out to Winchester, like you said, on that small property, and then she starts building based off of what this psychic said that she needed to keep building to keep the spirits and native um, all the Native Americans that died at the hand of a uh, Winchester rifle, that she needed basically appease these spirits or keep them away by just continuously building this incredible home. Now, there's some really cool things about the house. And do I believe there's presence still there? Yes. Do I believe Sarah's still there? Yes. Um, First of all, whenever you go into an old home, especially Victorian era, I feel like you're already kind of embraced with a certain energy of the home, right? Sure. But her home also just had all this magnificent decor and wood carvings and stained glass windows. And so it was just eye candy. Well, let's, let's back up just a little bit. So we have... We now know Sarah wasn't from Southern California, which is, you know, Correct. to me was mind blowing when I learned at the time, because you just hear about this fantastic house in San Jose. She moves out West. She's in a state of mourning, which during the Victorian times, and I don't know if you know this, but our curator here at the Etiwanda Historical Society has a Victorian black dress in the aisle house because she has always thought that that house needed to demonstrate a vibe of mourning, 
right? And I wow. actually never clued into that. I just thought they just put the dress in this room, but really it signifies that they were in mourning after George Chafee died. And so the fact that Sarah always wore black and she wore the veil, um, she seemed very eccentric. I shouldn't say seem, she was. I guess, you know, in that time, that wouldn't have been uh, somebody never wanting to be seen without the veil. She never wanted pictures taken of her. Right, there's only like one known picture of her. To her intelligence, though, when you start talking about this house... She went to Yale. She mastered, and they kept saying fourth languages, but or I should say four languages, but actually she used five, right? Because it's Italian, it's Latin, it's French, it's Spanish, but obviously she's in California, English. she's speaking English, you know? So yes. um, just a brilliant person. She was also person. a child prodigy. She could do math really well. Yeah, math and science, a young woman uh-huh. being so clever to know those things. I mean, she would have been, yeah, eyes would have been on her, you know? So here you go. She comes out to California. She builds this house and for all intensive purposes, seeming like a crazy person, crazy eccentric (laughs) woman who's, by the way, eluding spirits is what we've always been told. But now they're saying maybe she was just keeping herself busy, you know, because grief can really have a demise on your mental being, right? So if you have something, some we purpose in life. We all in our own ways, right? So what, you know, better to do than try and work on your house to improve it. What's fascinating about the architecture of the house, and there's so many great YouTubes out there. I do want to say, buy the Vimeo video for $13.99. Yes, yes, agree. WinchesterMysteryHouse.com. Um, because that really shows you with the narr- narration also in, um, and I don't, I can't remember if there was some music or not, but there, uh, they also have a 360 tour for eight ninety nine, I think, but it doesn't have the actual stories being spoken. Can about I tell it. you something real quick? Yeah. As soon as I started watching that 1399 tour, I said, is that Christian Slater narrating this? <laughs> That, the whole time I'm listening to it, I kept hearing Christian Slater's voice. Was it him? I don't think so, but oh, okay. I couldn't. I was like gleaming the cube. I was, and then thinking about why you went there the first time with the skateboarding and everything. And oh, it, anyway, somebody find out who's actually narrating that because yeah, his well, voice does to. remind me of an older Christian Slater. <laughs> but, it, but it supports. The house, which is, yes, a tourist attraction, of course. So they're, they're for profit because actually the Brown couple, that the Brown family that bought the house after Sarah passed, they turned it into a tourist attraction. So it still is a working tourist attraction, but because of COVID, there's not a lot of tourists happening right now. But when you talk about voices and, and narration of things, I did like that YouTube Winchester Mystery House documentary uh, in 1963, which is this Me kind too. of, I don't want to say ghoulish, you know, artistry. It kind of uh, had the Munsters vibe. vibe. <laughs> it did. And it was on a Channel 5 segment. And Lillian Gish was the narrator when she was an old actress from back in the day. That I loved her voice. Yeah, it was amazing. Thing too. So, you know, in research, there's a few of them out there. Some are better than others. I will put a shout out to your Ghost Brothers because Thank that you. one was hilarious. I love the Ghost Brothers. They did that. <laughs> So, you know, especially now that we're kind of in another, I don't want to say shutter in place because it 
seems like some places, some people are shuttering, some people are still going on like business as usual. But it is kind of fun to take a, a deep dive into the Winchester Mystery House, especially if you can't go to San Jose now because you can't, you know, really. Which is me. I actually, it. in anticipation of this podcast today or this episode, I had wanted to on winter break take Betty and I and go on an overnight trip maybe two, and go see the actual house before we chit-chatted about it. But then the lockdown happened, and that busted that plan. And so I'm very appreciative that they allowed the virtual stuff online. I think it's so clever and smart. Yeah, and even for me, I think the last time I went to the house was probably in 2014 or 2015 when Trent was a freshman in high school. So it's been a few years for myself. What I would love to make time to go do is one of their flashlight tours on Friday the 13th. Um, Oh, that'd be epic. They do have some really great events. Now, I don't know if they are hokey now or, you know, kind of like how the Queen Mary, when back in the day, they would really kind of amp up the, the stories and different stuff. But I did read on a couple different blogs where, they would say the old tour guides were encouraged to make up extravagant stories to pique the interest in the tours, which also, you know, when we talked about Queen Mary a few episodes back, they would say that that's also kind of what would happen. So maybe you get like a, a snippet of a, a ghost or, or hearing a tapping on the wall, and then they would just kind of make it a little bit more grandioso. But I I do think the house is fascinating. There's definitely a lot of incredible energy there. Well, that's what I want to ask you. When you were there, did you, because you've had experiences in New Orleans, which our patrons know that you've experienced physical contact from energy. Did you have any experiences while you were in the house? Did anything stand out to you? I can tell you that I do remember we kind of went into what I would feel like is the basement area. I didn't quite care for it. It did give me a little bit of the... Uh, I don't say creeps, but I definitely felt a little smothered in there. So I didn't like that. Um, I did get to go into the seance room. I kind of wanted to stay and hang out there. But again, the way the house is built, and I'm just kind of a claustrophobic person. Yes, that's true. I did want, so I don't want to say I had these like crazy feelings of get me out of here only based on spirit energy, but it's also based on space energy for me. You know, I, I like to be in the open. I don't like to feel like there's not an escape route because I, I think it was the seance room one way in and there was three way outs, but of course for us, you know, normal folk, we're not allowed to take every escape route there is, but also because Sarah was such a tiny lady, four foot 10 and she suffered from rheumatoid arthritis she had certain accommodations built into the house to accommodate her height, and she couldn't go up a normal set of stairs. She had they were like mini stairs. I think they're and, called easy rider risers. And I thought, yeah, maybe right? I should do that yes. in my house because <laughs> that's yeah, the part that goes. Exactly. Your knees go when you get old, and so that's why a lot well, of people re- go to one story houses and don't stay in their two stories. Well, that's why Paxson and I, yeah, we're happy to find a one story house in Huntington Beach. But, and then the other thing that is really cool, what I loved about the 1399 video is you're able to kind of replay it, which I did, because she was such an uh, engineer and 
progressive thinking planner of her house in the sense she had 13 bathrooms and she had one shower, but she also was one of the first people to ever put electricity in her house. She was, um, they said that she patented this amazing laundry sink, which they couldn't actually find the patent paperwork, but she tried to make the life for her servants easier. And what I appreciated about that, when you look at the laundry sink where, you know, they used to have to do laundry on a washboard, you know, kind of deal. She had it inlaid, a washboard. Yeah. And then this, there was a place for the soap and that was just so innovative that they actually had running water coming into the house. Hot water. They didn't have to boil it. You know, it was already coming in. And I love that you brought up that point because even today, Women like us will marvel at a good laundry room. <laughs> so I was exactly. completely I know. impressed by all of that. Journey. And then um, when you just see how uh, the other thing was with the, the tubes through the house, because so that she could talk and hear everything going on to, um, oh gosh, in the atrium. I don't know if you saw that part where the water would go to. Oh yeah, I completely it, clued into that. because uh, And then drain down to water another area where they could catch the water i did it's so innovative for that time what tamantha's talking about is sarah had a love for gardening and so she had a conservatory i mean a beautiful glass room and under the floorboards you could basically pick up it almost looked like a big square of wood you know Uh and you pick it up and the water would actually drain down from her watering her plants into a whole nother area that would water additional plants. Very innovative, very clever engineering, very smart use of uh, your resources. The lady yeah, was intelligent. For sustainability, for recycling water, all that stuff was, to, and back then it was even more precious, right? I mean, it's really precious to us now, but we take it for granted. So for her, it was quite innovative. But then you get into, oh, the door to nowhere and the stairs that lead up to nothing. And, of course, when I went on these tours, I'm like, wow, this is just so also feeling trapped inside, but also fascinated by the way this house was built, only to read about the 1906 earthquake just recently, reading, rereading and researching. And uh, remember now she got trapped in her bedroom which is called the daisy room because of the beautiful daisies. I was going to ask you about that because you have a love of daisies and I thought uh, here I am responding to all the oriental Asian things Tamantha must have had her head in the clouds with all of the daisy stained glass. Well, the and daisy stained glass, the spider webs, the front door, the fleur-de-lis which the front door I guess she was the only one that ever used it outside of um, the carpenters the people who actually built it, right? Yeah. So that court that I love Florida Lee's that is just such a stunning I mean the stained glass alone is incredible. But she didn't spare any expense because she had a thousand dollars a day to spend. So she Can I tell you some facts about the house as far as um, yes. Okay, so there are a hundred and sixty rooms, ten thousand windows. I was just blown away by that. 52 skylights, 40 staircases, 13 bathrooms, 6 kitchens, 3 elevators, 47 fireplaces. 
Amazing. I mean, just ridiculous. And the list goes on. And of course, she had the shower because of her arthritis condition. There's no way she was going to get herself into a bathtub. I mean, to any of us that have any kind of ailments, wouldn't it be so luxurious to be like, oh, you know what? Easy risers on my staircase would be much better. Let me just go install this. I mean, she really had the forethought, the engineering mastermind, and then, of course, the money to make it all yeah. happen for herself. So I, I'm, I'm actually quite happy for Miss Sarah. I am too. And then I wanted to just say, so, so she got trapped in her bedroom. And two interesting points about the house now that I reflect on it because of this was mentioned. So she ended up leaving the house after the 1906 earthquake and living on a houseboat for six years before she returned to her dying day. But the earthquake spooked her instead of building up like she was, she decided just to build out. So that's why there's a lot of house, but you have to wonder if, the stairs to nowhere, the door to nowhere is all because of her just stopping building going up. There was nowhere to build to anymore because that earthquake made her think that's not safe to do because, you know, that part of the house had crashed down. That's a very so, valid point. And it reminds me also if when you were on your tours there, OK, they had the they show this uh, pantry, a cold pantry, and it has all this marble shelving in it because before refrigeration, that's how they used to keep the food fresh. And she would have blocks of ice, you know, coming in, dry ice coming in to help keep that room cool. Uh-huh. Well, they talked about two different cabinets and one that they opened had a very short uh, or not very deep shelves. They were very slim. And they were trying to make this story out of it, like she's crazy or whatever. And I thought, maybe they just stored spices there. I mean, yeah. does exactly. everything there's have to be so crazy, you know, yeah, wild, ghostly? Do it. Yeah, so it's funny. I do have a refrigerator from Yaya Antique Refrigerator that also they kind of had in the Winchester house, which is cool. And it's just kind of funny if you put a logical spin you could take all the fun out of it because well we love the fun I will say that a couple things stood out to me that made me a little bit sad was number one that the house was not in her will so it did not go to her niece Uh, her niece had access all the furniture was will to her niece or her niece only took a few things and the rest was all sold at auction so when you go to the house to tour it a lot of the items there are not original to the house. They had to be rebuild and curate those rooms, which is quite impressive because I don't yeah. think if you know that knowledge that you would think that the furniture and belongings weren't originally Sarah's. Yeah, that's so sad. Gosh, I didn't I don't think I knew about or didn't really hold on to that fact about her niece, you know, that that's so tragic. Um well, Should we do our little cocktail? We should. But before we do that, I just have one question for you. Because the aesthetic movement was so strong during that Mm -hmm. period of time when she was building. And she spared no expense. And they they do say that the stained glass collection that she has is world-renowned. Probably the most pieces in one collection actually are at the Winchester House. What was your favorite room? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, 
I mean, daisies are after my heart. So, I mean, I would just love that, you know. Um, I feel like when you're on the tour, you're kind of quickly moved in there. So I'd have to say the the ballroom. Okay. Is pretty- Which was closed off until her death in 1922. Um, because after that earthquake that you mentioned, she yeah. felt the spirits were telling her that she had spent too much money. And so she boarded up the whole front part of that house. And I... And maybe you can chime in here. I believe one of the documentaries I watched said that she catered to the spirits of the house so intensely that she actually used the ballroom that you're talking about to host a party for the spirits. And when the musicians were there and realized what was taking place, they got spooked. And the musicians packed up in the middle of the night and left and apparently never came back. Wow, I think I caught on to that story. That's pretty amazing. But I love that they, um, Howls, H-O-U-Z-Z, they oh, do a really a great video if you're into Victorian mansions, you're into that whole um, aesthetic movement, or you want to learn more about it. The Oriental Room uh, always stood out to me just because my master bedroom has those little bit of influences. Yeah. Of course, I'm not getting fireplaces japanned, which means they... Um, painted out all black. Sometimes there's actual burning techniques that are used. Her, that wow. whole house is, on an interior decorating standpoint, on a Victorian historian standpoint, it just blows your mind. Yeah, and the aesthetic movement. I mean, that movement was everything should be beautiful, and that house is definitely everything is beautiful. One fun little thing that I remember so vividly when I first first went to that house driving on the freeway I'm like getting off it looks like a little you know town I don't I mean like you know apartment buildings and parking structures and you know I think there was an old movie theater and then you look and then all of a sudden you see this big Victorian mansion so it kind of is really in a metropolis San Jose is quite a busy town you know for all the tech area and you know, the airport is very busy. So it's kind of shocking and amazing that this house still exists to this day and you can go visit it. And I do think everybody should make a trip there. So now I'm ready for our Western vibe cocktail tea. Tell yeah. us what you decided because we did try to find a cocktail that would be kind of themey, which we we like our themes. Yeah, we like themes. But there there was one Winchester cocktail we kind of came across, but it was gin based and had a lot of ingredients. And hey, for us guys, we're still doing Zoom podcast because of COVID. And I also am trying not to go to the store as much. So I thought to myself, what can I make that's already at home? Of course, my neighbor Monique gave me lemons recently. I have the simple syrup in the fridge, as you guys know. And yes, I do have a couple good bottles of whiskey. So I suggested a whiskey sour. And so that's what we're going to have tonight. Now, Ronnie, you made yours with... Well, what kind of whiskey are you using? 
I'm going to have to look up mine because I have this really cool picture, but I didn't write down <laughs> my whiskey. I did. Um, it's a new one that somebody, um, our financial advisor actually gifted to us. Um, okay. Let me look up my little picture. Okay. Well, she's I, looking at that. Easier to remember. While she's looking up that, I'll tell you guys a little bit about my drink. So we did do a version of a whiskey sour on our reels uh, some time ago on our Frolic Inc. Instagram. And I was using a Gentleman's Jack. Kind of switched it up a little bit with the orange blood uh, or blood orange bitters. Tonight, I decided to go Crown Royal Black, which is a Canadian whiskey. And I didn't want to do the lemons, even though I do have some here. I was in the mood for clementines. So I squeezed fresh clementine juice. Yummy. I put about three shots of Crown Royal Black. I put a splash of orange bitters, topped it off a little bit with some tonic uh, water. And my garnish is a clementine, of course, just a little piece of clementine and some uh, cherries. Awesome. I... Don't have the name of mine, but I will You'll post it, on it later. Post. Yes. So uh, mine is whiskey, lemon juice, and simple syrup, and I garnished with a little amaretto cherry. So All right. cheers. Cheers to Sarah. Sarah. Now, mine is pretty strong, so I've actually been sipping it. <laughs> I didn't want to go to waste. Well, you know me, I, I had a headache earlier, so I had to take that Tylenol PM. So I'm definitely but, sipping on my <laughs> cocktail because I'm not trying to lose my I brain cells. <laughs> I want to thank uh, the Chirigno family from my neighborhood for giving me this glass uh, in their neighbor gift. And um, the whiskey sour now, I do like it. Back in the day, a Midori sour was my absolute favorite in Waikiki and going to the clubs in Honolulu. And if I, if I was feeling a little crazy, I was going to go for Armoretto Sour. Ooh, so wow. I do like the sour cocktails. And I think they're fun because they all have the same base. I mean, once you get to know uh, the base for most cocktails, always simple syrup, always some type of fresh citrus. And I really like what you said, Ronnie, that you just kind of were in the mood for clementine because it's winter. Lemons actually in our text conversation. Uh, what drink should we have? And I'm like, oh, how about whiskey sour? It has a little lemon juice. Oh, isn't that kind of summer? <laughs> I I do. I have this illusion in my mind um, because that's probably not true. But for me, I'm when I think lemons, I'm always thinking of limoncello, and I feel like Italian uh, seaside ocean. Uh, well, lemon is in the summer, so I mean, I could see it. But I'm so used to it being such a common base and whether it's a margarita or, a, you know, whiskey sour. Well, and also, too, I wasn't in a hurry to make simple syrup. I know it doesn't take too long, but when you come home from work, I mean, I should be more advanced by now and have it in my refrigerator like you do but I don't and so I just thought you know what Clementines right now they're a little bit sweet I wasn't really vibing the whole super sour thing for the whiskey sour so yeah I'm very happy with how I turned out it's so funny is that you know I made that simple syrup and I probably made it two and a half months ago and you know if you read recipes they say use it within five days or use it within you know two weeks 
I don't care. It's, it's just, just water and water. sugar. How it doesn't expire. Back? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't you expire. Know? What are you talking about? <laughs> no. So, cheers to Sarah. Cheers now, to Sarah. We were talking about the house and the stairs to nowhere and the seance room. And do any of our listeners, are you familiar with the fourth dimension oh tabantha when you start talking about dimensions i can't help but think about our 10 year old selves rummaging through our garage and finding great grandma georgia's cassette tapes and playing them on our little 80s radio and getting completely freaked out because they were talking about the sixth dimension and it was literally like hypnotizing us our great grandma was not a religious person. And a lot of you guys know we are Catholic. We were raised Catholic. Uh, my mom, uh, her stepmother was Catholic. So she went to, you know, um, parochial school. However, our grandfather was Lutheran. And his biological mom, our great-grandma Georgia, who we did get to grow up with a little bit before she moved to Arizona, um, she was uh, into spiritualism. And yeah. she went to churches that basically talked about your ancestors and the spirit guides that were beside you. And I can remember specifically mom telling us a story where she went to this, um, for a lack of better term, church, and they described a Indian woman next to mom. And then a, a man who was tall and dark, dark hair, uh, in his mid-30s, and we've always attributed that to be uh, Grandpa Albert, Mom's dad, who died when Mom was um, 14. So, spiritualism is alive and well yeah. in the Bowman and Dawson household. just the fourth dimension, I kind of think of Interstellar with Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Like, oh, that was so things good. Things are happening beside you that you don't really see. And according to a website called the thetruthaboutthewinchesterhouse.com, uh, Richard Allen Wagner, he's written a couple books about Sarah Pardee Winchester. He talks about um, basically that the Winchester house wasn't built to ward off spirits, but more of an elaborate puzzle, a treasure trail intended to lead the adventurer. She strongly identified with Francis Bacon and very likely saw herself as a reincarnation of Bacon as seen in Bacon symbols, the numeric cipher code in the Shakespearean windows. Now, 7, 13, and uh, 11 are all significant primary numbers in that uh, kind of famous uh, sequence, and 13 is used a lot in her house. The number of bathrooms, number of, you know... Uh, Even the German chandelier that she had yeah, imported. Orbs, it originally had yeah, exactly. 12 the orbs in the window stained, the stained glass windows, you know, kind of the stones, I should say, and the orbs. And so uh, he goes on to say that she also was a Rosu Croshan, I hope I pronounced that okay, Freemason, which, you know, before she moved out west, she actually went to Europe for three years where the French Mason were groups, because most people know that. Uh, Freemasons as not letting women in. Right. But a couple things Good about old French. a Freemason is that the French were more liberal about it. So they had a more of a, a kind of Republic. Uh, yeah, they're open to it. But plus, you know, as with any club, the more money you have, the more likely you're going to be able to join the club. 
And so um, she obviously had plenty of money. So they're saying basically that, or this gentleman, Richard Allen Wagner, goes on to say that her seance room was actually practiced as her meditation and her study at or near the center of her home. So it was more of a sanctum for her religion that she practiced or her, you know, spiritualism self with the, the Bacon theory. And then when you go on to the Masonic pillars, the switchback stairs, the winding staircase, the Jacob's ladder, the 7-Eleven staircase representing the Masonic uh, fork in the road, the patterns in the architectural fabric of Mrs. Winchester's house emphasize capitalistic uh, numbers utilized by Francis Bacon and his mentor, uh, John D. So she really associated with that, and she does have a history with the Freemasons, and so therefore this theory is that she really uh, built her house with that in mind. And if you... Um, yeah, that crescent too, moon shape, too, that actually points to her yes, room. I thought yes, that was really cool. the bushes cool. that are shaped like a crescent moon. And it also um, goes on to talk uh, about another one of Sarah's contemporaries uh, wrote about dimensions, Lewis Carroll, the yeah, author of Alice, Alice's Lewis. Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. These give perplexing aspects of a transcendent forward dimensional world, left and right, up and down, forward and backward, large and small, as well as Einstein's theory of general relativity. Uh, relativity. So the modern theatrical physics, bizarre quantum mechanics. So when you kind of know that she was also a brain, if you will. Yeah, intelligence and beauty, killer combo. Come on. Yes, and innovative um it kind of seems like that actually is very plausible that she could have built her house with these type of theories in mind so haunted she built to not be haunted but it seems they still played her existence in my opinion these spirits so i don't know if she built maybe it's a combination of both you know how do we know you know well she definitely um, had uh a love for I, or I would, I don't know if I would use love, but there was definitely, I think, a borderline obsession with communicating with, you know, the dead. Because when you have lost your child, and then her, I read that her and her husband intentionally did not have any more children because that grief was so tough to live through. And then when she lost him, now the one thing that I also found curious and I would like to find out more information and if our listeners have the information comment below or post it or dm us is that she kept the locks of hair of her husband and her baby girl with their death certificates in a safe it was like really the only thing they found in that secret safe behind right. the behind the wall in the movie um that, that I didn't care for I believe that there's a scene where she's pulling that out of the um, safe there. But also, I believe in the Victorian days, that's when they also kept a lot of locks of hair and they would make jewelry out of it and different things to mourn the death or honor the, the dead. It's an interesting subject matter. I'd like to know more about uh -huh. it. Yeah, so, I mean... You know, who knows? I just think that it's worth a tour. It's worth a visit. And then let's just talk a little bit more, just getting into the fourth dimension. 
and the energies and the different type of styling and, and things of the house, she also did have the seance room, which this guy is saying that basically like for meditation and different things, but spiritualism has a sacred space, a sacred Mm -hmm. space. That's very popular now. That's a term that I read all the time. Sacred space, have your sacred space. Yeah. And I think, I think your sacred space, but also that you would kind of, um, you know, I I was going to say, when the spiritual world is growing so much right now, it's been on pace, you know, with kind of the more contemporary, okay, there's so many tarot card readers now. There's um, people, when you're dating, they're going to find out your birth chart numbers. And, you know, I think one time hey. Trent called me and said, what time was I born? You know, <laughs> I'm telling you right now that there is something to the Chinese calendar. I mean, if we just compare the year of the rat and the year of the dragon, you know, Jaden and Betty are inseparable. I mean, they just adore each other. And then here comes Logan, <laughs> like year of the goat or sheep or something like that. And, uh, so so yeah, it, I think there's some truth to that. At the horns, you know. So, um, and then Trent and Jaden are the lucky years, the millennium, two thousand. All those golden dragons out there. So right? amazing. You and I are year of the tiger. But so this whole kind of spiritualism movement is happening and been happening to me. That this, I mean, it's kind of disguised as this boho chic type deal to me. But people like us who have always kind of gravitated to that uh, spiritualism in the sense, not just, I mean, obviously there's religion and spiritualism, but ours, we've always gravitated to uh you know, how would you say? Like the supernaturalness of it all? Yes. Because people don't realize, and I was actually talking to um, Paul from Ghost Watch Paranormal because I actually won um, a candle magic book. And I, I so that was nice that the person, um, they I guess they already had a couple copies of it. So they said, oh, can you give it to the runner-up? And I happened to be the runner-up in this contest. Anyway, it had brought up um, a little bit of, my curiosity on how the Catholic faith and how we light candles for intention or, you know, place uh-huh. intentions when we're lighting candles. It's a big thing for us. It is. A how, it o- how it overlays into this candle magic of sorts. And so it just got me rethinking about my catechism days when I was teaching. And there actually really is a supernatural, a huge supernatural a component in our Catholic Mass, you know, transubstantiation, you know, where we believe that Jesus becomes, you know, the, um, he is the body and blood, which is the bread and the wine. And that happens during the Mass. So spiritualism is a very curious thing. And the supernatural component, it's really here. But bring the spiritualism realm in the Victorian days they would use the spirit boards which also known as VG boards which you and I don't partake in we, shy, we shy away from them we did have some experiences in high school and we're very uh-huh. lucky that we knew how to close them and so I don't feel like we ever had any weird attachments or anything like that and I do agree with people um who say they use them as a tool. It's just not you and I, it's just not our thing. Well, no, we would choose the tarot cards. So that's my, which to me is more of a tool versus like, um, 
I don't know, because we're not like conjuring anything. It's just kind of a Mm -hmm. whole different vibe for us. Right. So, so I was trying to get to because you have a card for us tonight. I do have a card. Actually, you pulled this card. It's kind of been a little bit of a tradition for Samantha and I to pull a card for the beginning of the new year. And Samantha actually uh, pulled one earlier this week. And it was the Nine of Cups. And I'll be posting my new Chinese tarot card deck. So beautiful. I picked it up from Mystic Museum. And I'm going to read what the Nine of Cups is about as soon as I um, clear my throat. Okay, here we go. So we got the Nine of Cups. Um, It was upright. So for 2020, success. 21. Oh, sorry. 2021. We got rid of 2020. (laughs) 2021. Hello. (laughs) We're right now in the present. 2021. Okay. Nine of Cups. Success. Advantage. Well-being. Abundance. Good health. And difficulty surmounted. So for me, when Samantha pulled that card and she had it in her story, I immediately thought, oh my gosh, our cups overfloweth. And it's Oh, to me, a great card, an amazing I, card. And I love that. It I, will, love I hope 2021 brings all of the abundance for everybody. Yeah, I mean, the, and even in the deck that I pulled, it, it's well-being, contentment, happy, secure, okay, with the future, wholeness, wisdom, and spiritual fulfillment, trophies, rewards, and achievement. I mean, can there be, I mean, of course, I mean, could there be a better card Right now, when I pulled that, with everything that's going on in the end of 2020, going into 2021, especially with um, ending the pandemic and us having a new elected president, and I mean, and then individually in our own families and households, I just thought, what a amazing card to pull for this week, for this year. I mean, awesome. It's on. I, it's totally on. I hate to say the word awesome. I feel that so. It was an incredible. Hey, we're uh, from SoCal. Astounding card to get, you know. <laughs> it was perfect. It was so perfect. Well, to Sarah, to the Nine of Cups. Sarah, to our listeners, thank you for the continued support. We're so excited to talk about these different subject matters. If there's something that interests you that you would like us to talk about, Hit us up in our DMs, in our comment section below. Um, Of course, we'd appreciate in 2021 for you to like and subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our Frolic Inc. and at Frolic Inc. Chronicles on Instagram. Um, And let our Nine of Cups card come true for us. (laughs) Yeah. Overflow. Well, Tamantha, I think 2021 is going to be an epic year for us. We have some really great things in the queue and we will be yes, sharing more about that next week. Woohoo! Yeah! Have a great week. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.